Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, happy okay-ish Wednesday. And today, I actually have to start out by apologizing because this is my 43rd episode and I have not had an entire episode about anxiety. When I realized that, I was like, holy cow, how did, how did I let this happen? I talk about anxiety all the time, and I know I've talked about it with other topics, but we need to talk about just anxiety because I'm not going to lie. Anxiety is really common. So, you know, it's about damn time I do an episode dedicated to it. Before we get going, though, as a reminder, I am your host, Marilyn Dance, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist and a very okay-ish human being. This podcast is not in replacement of therapy. This is not therapy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. All right. So let's go into anxiety today. Even with how prevalent anxiety is and how much we use the term anxiety in our all of our daily lives, right? People use that word all the time. It's honestly really misunderstood. (laughs) And part of the reason for this is because anxiety can look so different in different people. And a lot of the time, people who have anxiety may not even know that's what it is, right? Like sometimes people may just think, oh, I'm high strung or I'm stressed out or whatever it may be. But it looks different in different people. There's lots of different types of anxiety. And not to mention that, yes, anxiety is a psychological disorder, but it's also just a feeling. So every single human being on this earth has most likely felt anxious from time to time. That doesn't mean they have an anxiety disorder, But it does mean something really cool, and that's that we can all relate in some form or another to anxiety, right? Maybe we can't relate to having an anxiety disorder, but we can relate to that feeling. So what is anxiety? Remember, we all feel anxious from time to time, but anxiety disorders are a different thing. And there's a lot of types of anxiety disorders. So like anxiety disorders is the big category and the different types are generalized anxiety disorder, phobias, agoraphobia, social anxiety disorder, and panic disorder. Technically, OCD, hoarding disorder, trichotillomania, those are not under the anxiety disorder umbrella, but I'm mentioning them here because they have a lot of similar characteristics. All right. So here's the thing. Only 37% of people in America diagnosed with an anxiety disorder receive treatment. That means 63% of people who have anxiety disorders are just walking around suffering through it, which sounds really miserable to me. And as someone who experiences anxiety, I can say it's not pleasant 
It is not pleasant at all. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to quickly go through the disorders I listed above under the anxiety disorder category, just so you know the words I'm using. But I'm purposely going quickly through it because I want to get to the part today where I am going to tell you the number one thing you can do for your anxiety. The number one thing that you can do immediately for your anxiety. The thing where I begin with every client that has anxiety. And I do it for myself too. But before we get to that, so we know what's happening here, so we know the lingo I'm using, let me go through the anxiety disorders. So generalized anxiety disorder looks like what you assume it looks like. It's someone who experiences uncontrollable worry and anxiety, a lot of the symptoms of general anxiety disorder, aside from being anxious, are like fatigue and irritability and inability to concentrate and edginess and that kind of thing. I'm sure we we may be that person or we all know people like that, right? So when people say they're diagnosed with anxiety, typically they mean they're diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. The second anxiety disorder are phobias. This is really common. We, we probably all know what this means. Someone with a phobia will go to extreme measures to avoid the phobia, right? Whether it's snakes or spiders or flying or heights, you get it. But with phobias, the person's fear is disproportionate. So like if I see a snake in my yard, I am definitely going to scream and run inside. (laughs) But that doesn't mean I have a phobia. That means that snakes are terrifying. But someone with a phobia in that case may refuse to go outside again, may be afraid to go outside, may have a panic attack when they go outside. They may have nightmares about the snake. They may, you know only use their back door because the snake was by their front door, that kind of thing. So it's a little bit different. So agoraphobia, on the other hand, agoraphobia is different than other types of phobias. And it's often thought of as the fear of public places, but that's not quite what it is. Agoraphobia is more of the fear of having a panic attack in public places. So agoraphobia stems from the concern that it would be really hard to escape somewhere if a panic attack occurred. So people with agoraphobia are often afraid of places like movie theaters, grocery stores, any type of public transportation like trains or buses, places where it's difficult to make a quick and easy and quiet escape should a panic attack occur. And then there's social anxiety disorder, which is pretty self-explanatory, but it's important to note that it's not the same as being nervous of performing or being in front of people. That's pretty typical. All of these disorders, including social anxiety disorder, are very disproportionate fears, consistent anxiety, avoidance of the situation, going to extreme measures to avoid the situation, things like that. And then lastly, the last anxiety disorder is panic disorder, and that is recurrent panic attacks. If you've never had a panic attack, they're horrible. There's actually a very high percentage of people who go to urgent care or the emergency room when having a panic attack because it often feels like a heart attack or that there is something seriously wrong. Not saying panic attacks are not serious. They are, but they're often confused with like a serious physical illness. 
All right. So I know I just breezed through those, but I didn't want to spend too much time on it. I just want us to have some understanding of the different types of anxiety disorders. And a lot of these disorders are comorbid with each other, right? Like panic disorder and agoraphobia often go together. Generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder can go together, things like that. And Again, I'm not trying to confuse or overwhelm you, but just to show that anxiety can take on a lot of different forms. But here's the thing in common with all of these disorders. Even though they can take on different forms and look different for different people, all of these anxiety disorders include distorted thinking. Now, I think I talked about cognitive distortions in episode 40 when I talked about defense mechanisms, but let me explain a little bit more here. For many reasons, we as human beings develop unhealthy thinking patterns, right? Often, these unhealthy thinking patterns include irrational thoughts. Anxiety, whatever form it's in, is irrational, right? People with phobias, the phobias are irrational. People with social anxiety disorder, it's an irrational fear, Anxiety is irrational. Anxiety is also a liar, right? A big, fat liar. So all of the anxiety disorders involve having this like irrational liar in your brain, living in your brain. I often talk about anxiety as like a separate entity from oneself because it truly feels like that. I'll ask people, you know, is this the anxiety talking or is this you talking? (laughs) That kind of thing, because anxiety is this like irrational liar monster in your brain. Sounds fun, right? So the most effective form of treatment for anxiety disorder is cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT. CBT is one of the most evidence-based therapies. They teach everyone in school about CBT. CBT is, it's a good thing. And cognitive is there in the title, right? Cognitive meaning Cognitions or thoughts. So CBT looks at how thoughts and behaviors interact with each other. Knowing this, it makes sense that anxiety disorders, which involve a lot of that, a lot of those unhealthy thought patterns and irrational thoughts, would be treated with cognitive behavioral therapy that looks at your thoughts, right? I mean, this makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you. Let me explain how. The cognitive behavioral therapy model says that things happen in an order. So a trigger happens, that trigger leads to a thought, that thought leads to a feeling, and that feeling leads to a behavior. So it goes trigger, then thought, then feeling, then behavior. Let me give an example. I have a client whose boyfriend just broke up with her. Not only did her boyfriend break up with her, but he cheated on her and is now dating the girl he cheated on her with. So that is a great example of a trigger, right? That is a trigger. So that, the next step in this little model is a thought. And that trigger led this person to have thoughts like, he never even cared about me if he could do this to me and move on so quickly. Or thoughts like, you know, his new pictures on social media with this girl, he looks so happy. That must mean that there's something wrong with me, that I am the problem. Pretty understandable why she has these thoughts after what happened to her. But they're still nasty thoughts. Like, I wouldn't feel good if I was having those thoughts. 
So with that being said, obviously, when she's thinking these nasty things, that leads to more feelings of hurt, anger, insecurity, shame, fear, all sorts of things. And then when you're feeling hurt, angry, insecure, shameful, afraid, how do you think you're going to behave? I mean, I know I wouldn't be my best self if that was going on. So let's try this model from a different perspective. Same girl, same breakup, same trigger. But instead of letting herself think all those nasty what if worries and I'm the problem and all of that stuff, she thinks to herself, wow, what a giant, you know what, I'm glad we're not dating if he's the kind of guy that would do that. What feelings would that thought lead to? Probably maybe relief or hope for a new relationship. And then those feelings are going to lead to more positive behaviors. So hopefully these examples make sense. And you may be thinking like, okay, great, Mary Ellen. All of this sounds good in theory, but changing what I'm thinking is really hard. And and you're damn right, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's often a lifelong battle. And even when we work on changing these thoughts to the positive, we're still going to have negative thoughts creep in. I mean, that's just how life works. That's just what it means to be a human. But what does any of this have to do with anxiety? All right. So we went over the trigger leads to thought, leads to feeling, leads to behavior. So deep breathing, yoga, meditation, exercise, journaling, all of that is great for anxiety. But that's looking at the behavior part in that model. To really work on anxiety, we have to begin with the thought part and work on changing our thoughts. But like I just mentioned, it's not so easy to change our thoughts, especially when bad things happen to us. And we've probably been thinking these thoughts for a long time. It it can be really, really hard. So here is the number one thing I do with people who struggle with anxiety. So remember when I said that anxiety is an irrational and nasty liar? Since anxiety is an irrational and nasty liar and it lives in our brains, it causes us to have nasty, irrational thoughts, right? We have a lot of nasty thoughts. Think of those anxiety disorders I was just talking about. Think of phobias. It's a really good example. Someone who is afraid of heights is going to have a lot of nasty, irrational thoughts about heights especially if they're faced with, you know, having to be high up. So how do we combat these irrational thoughts? Well, what's the opposite of irrational? Rational and logic. So if you've ever struggled with anxiety and have these nasty, irrational thoughts, write the thought down. Like using my example from before, maybe the thought is, I'm never going to love again. We know that's irrational. Feels true, right? When going through a breakup, that's that's not fun. That feels true for sure. But that's that's not really logical. So then next to that thought, the illogical, irrational thought, write down all the logical thoughts you can think of. Like, you know, most people find love many times in their life. <laughs> I'm still young. I still have so many people to meet. You know, this sucks, but I'm likely going to find love again. But those are more logical thoughts. And that, you guys, is fighting that tricky anxiety liar. It's 
proving the anxiety wrong. It's proving, yeah, anxiety, you're irrational and these thoughts are irrational. And I'm proving that to you by looking at all the logic. Now, I'm not saying this is easy and I'm not saying this happens overnight. And there's lots and lots and lots and lots of other things that we can do for anxiety. But this is the best way to start retraining our thoughts. I have a client who I told to do this and she came back the next week with almost a full notebook of examples of irrational, anxious thoughts followed by all the logical thoughts she could think of. And she said it was hard being that diligent and aware of her thoughts, picking out which thoughts were irrational and how to combat them with logical thinking, right? That it's hard. Everything I've been talking about today is really difficult. But when she came in, after doing this little exercise, she felt better. She felt more in control of her anxiety. And she described that feeling as okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.